A camera is an instrument that teaches people how to see without a camera. I photograph something to find out what it will look like photographed. Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast. This is Antonio and welcome to episode 115 for the middle of February 2000. <laughs> what are we at? 2020. Oh boy. Okay. And uh, happy Valentine's Day for all those uh, people who are celebrating and getting their significant other or hopeful significant others gifts and chocolates and hearts and all that crazy stuff. Uh, hope you guys are all going to have a lot of fun. <laughs> I'll stop right there. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining me uh, today in the show. And uh, I'm not going to take too much of an intro because uh, I got a long chat with uh, my buddy Ward Rawson. We're here again uh, talking photography. I had a I had an idea that sprung up from a, a book I was reading. I'll, I'll, when I get into the conversation, you'll hear about it. Uh, and I really wanted to talk to Ward about it. And so the uh, the gist of it is, uh, quote, what the camera sees, unquote, was kind of the name of the title for this show, which is what's, what it's going to be. But as you uh, will hear in the conversation, we just uh, go from there and riff off of that and uh, and talk photography. I've been, I've been jonesing to talk photography with somebody else for a while. So I give Ward uh, a call and he uh, he stepped up to the plate. So without any further chat from me about this, uh, we'll go right into uh, me and Ward talking photography. All right. Open. Yeah. So Ward, thanks for... Thanks for joining me tonight. Uh, it's been a while since uh, I think we've shared yeah, it's, words. It's been a couple of shows, yeah. That's your house. Yeah. I don't even remember what our last show was. What did we do? I, I, I don't know. We talked. We rambled, I think. We rambled. I have a feeling we're going to be rambling again. I don't right. know. Right. Audience, don't expect anything. <laughs> anything crazy. Well, well, I, I've got some directions, but I, you know, I haven't talked spoken to you in a while we've we've been back and forth on on texting and stuff like that but no real words and and uh it'd be nice to it's nice to hear another human's voice since i've only had the voice of my cat on a daily basis talking to me uh and my yeah. wife but you know yeah uh, well i have my I, i'm uh, without a job right now so i'm i'm at home yeah uh, you know do the job search and like it when I can leave the house and run some errands and so on. That's always yeah. good. Do you end up going to the uh, the camera store? I do. Camera? Yeah. Uh, once how, a week, sure. Really? Once a week? <laughs> once a week. I go really? there now. Oh, it's this guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I always go peruse the, the, the books. And uh, I still buy about two books a month. Really? Um, and what, uh, yeah. What kind of shelf do you have holding all these books? Well, it's not, there's some. No, they're not. You know, it's too, right now. It's uh, two bookshelves that are about four feet high. Uh huh. And about three feet across, and they're full. So uh -huh. six shelves with, with photo books. With photo books, and yeah. then I've got a collection up in uh, our. Um, um, you know, our ensuite closet, like up, uh -huh. in, up in our bedroom. And then I have a few that are beside, just a few. I know you see those stacks of, you know, behind, beside your easy chair, you got a stack that's three feet high. I've got three yeah, or four yeah. that I keep on the, on like on the ottoman, on the footstool in front of my chair. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's still, I still uh, love collecting these books and. Any, any chance you could share a picture of one of those, uh, uh, Shelves down, down with the downstairs with you. Sure, I could. Uh, it's got some other stuff in it. I have to move some of my my just, son's just, gaming yeah. gear, but sure. <laughs> okay, just a, just even a even if you cropped into a selection of books, I'm really curious okay. and just to sure. see what what you got. Yeah, and I can do that. I'll, I'll stick it in the show notes so everybody can see. <laughs> so, All right, uh, and I'll you know what? On, I'll do I'll do 
one of my shelves. I think I got a shelf full of. So to, we'll we'll even it out, make okay. it nice. But you know, speaking of books, uh, you know, I think you have gotten me into. Um, it, not really you, but like having like met you and talking about books, really got back into into uh, photography books um, in the past year or so, maybe a little bit more. Good. We need more people with the disease. I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to get into these books. And during uh, I put together a whole um, you know Amazon Amazon wish list for my wife was like you know you don't have anything on your Amazon wish list that I could buy you. So I went and, you know, searched all the photo books I could possibly did, and I created a birthday list. Uh, from, right. You know, and she bought me for Christmas and my birthday uh, one book on um, shoot, a- Eggleston, an Eggleston book. Oh, I cool. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, it's up there on the shelf. I can't remember. It. But it's, it's, it's uh, Two and a Quarter. That's the name of it. Two and a Quarter. Oh, I don't uh, know that book. I'll have to dig that one up. Yeah, it's really nice. And there's no words in it. It's just his pictures. And uh, then she bought me this book, which sort of got me that uh, I just finished reading it, too. It's got me the idea for what I wanted to talk to you about, at least start talking about. But it's the Street Philosophy of Gary Winogrand by Jeff Dyer, D-Y-E-R. Now, I know, well, I, I've leafed through this book. I've not seen it, but I know mm-hmm. Jeff Dyer is a fairly well-respected critic, and um, I don't know if he's a photographer himself. I, I didn't he, get that from the book, but... Uh, yeah, but he's, he's there, there, I think there are two guys that you want to write a foreword to your photography book if you can get them. One's Jeff Dyer, and the other one is, oh, now his name has left me. <laughs> oh, goodness. It'll pop I, up I, later. It'll it'll come up later, but anyway, um, so his criticism to me is pretty thoughtful. Now, uh, I've just read a few paragraphs. So, to, so before we get into the, the particular thing yeah, that yeah. we were going to talk about, what's your what's your impression of this book? We'll turn so, it to a book review, book club, a book, club. book club. Yeah, well, that's great. I mean, I would love to get more. Actually, I would really that would be a really good idea to do that because, you know, one of the things I like I. Like you're helping me get into books, and I would love other people to get into books. I think that's one of the great ways to share photography. And and so I'm reading this book, and it's a little. This guy is writing a little above my pay grade, a little bit, okay. um, in in an educational way. I mean, I was kind of making a joke with you online that it was a little uh, highfalutin or something like oh, that. Oh, right, but, right, right. Yeah, uh, it's not what I'm used to reading. I don't read this kind of. Uh, Critis, critical uh, writing. He was not really criti- criticizing. He's actually looking at his uh, Winogrand's pictures and and creating something from them. I can't even quite. I don't even know what you would call this kind of writing, because right. uh, he's like writing essays about the pictures and he's going off on all these tangents. But anyway, it's not the kind of stuff I usually read. Mm-hmm. So I found it a little bit of a uh, a slug to get through it, but I got through it. And actually, there were some times I like I was reading what he was looking into the pictures about and and, uh, and I didn't quite get what he was talking about and then there are other times like he hit it the nail on the head and it really right. got me excited and about halfway through it I think I probably told you this as I started flipping through the pictures I would start looking at the pictures and creating my own stories which is really interesting because you know you think I would be doing that in general when looking at pictures but with a book like this uh, which is saturated with words of somebody else looking at it, you know, and, and right. interpreting pictures, it was very easy for me to to start doing it on my own. And when I when I finally turned the page, it was one picture. I think I shared it with you on uh, on Discord. It was yeah. one picture that I looked at, and I was like, "Let me guess what he's going to talk about." And I started coming up with my, you know, what I'm seeing in the image. And then I read his description. And we were we were on different pages, and I thought that was really fun. Interesting. Well, you know, yeah. Winogrand, he's. He tends to polarize people, right, because of his yeah. tilted horizons and all that kind of stuff and all the people who try to imitate him, including me. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure so, me in some respect, too. And, and, and there's a lot of, I think, a lot with Winogrand people tend to read tend to read more into the pictures than maybe there was intent when it was shot. I mean, right. I think of the way Winogrand talks about or talked about his pictures was this is this is just sort of what I saw. I don't think he 
you know, well, and the intention is is dubious sometimes. It seems, right. but well, then it, I it, I bounced this off of you, and it, I was really curious about this, like how somebody like uh, um, Dyer see what he's seeing in the pictures and what he's creating, and then I, I first, like when I first started reading this, I was really put off by it. I'm like, how the hell does he know what was going on in Winogrand's mind? And you know, these are just random. I mean, not random shots in the street, but it's it really is in a way, you know the slice of life and how do you read all this into a picture? And you said something to me. I don't know if you can remember what you said or there was something um, you said that, that, um, gosh, was I it, was it the way I put in the notes about the photographer's intention versus the viewer? No, 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 no. It wasn't in the stuff? notes. It was something that it was like a word of wisdom about, about this kind of, um, writing about, about an image, about seeing something in, in imagery. Uh, I don't know if you remember that, but it, it was no, I'm sorry. it was a word of wisdom in the sense that, like, you know, I was looking at it very in a sort of a literal way, like, how can he see this in this picture? And he's making stuff up. You know, it's like, you know, this I'm just going to make up a picture, but like this guy's walking the street reading a newspaper. How does he know that he's, you know, creating his lifestyle thoughts like, when he's reading? Well, like, how do you know this? Uh, I, you're building this up. I wish I'd remembered <laughs> what it was I said. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's probably not that important, but it was it was just. Um, like in order for me to sort of tune into what Dyer was trying to do, what he's trying to do with the pictures with himself and the pictures, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it just sort of helped me, um, not quite understand what he was doing entirely, but like, I'm, I'm okay with it. Right. right. Instead of being, cause I can be very literal about something like, you know, and people can pull jokes on me very, I'm a, I'm a kind of a gullible person. <laughs> With, okay. with jokes. So, you know, uh, I was kind of seeing it this way. I was like, you know, I'm very literal. I'm looking at the picture and I'm thinking, you know, okay, this is what he sees. And then, like I said, halfway through the book, I finally just sort of let loose and say, okay, what am I seeing? And right. and it does it matter. Like, I can see what I want to see in a picture. You can see what you want in a picture. Mm-hmm. Dyer can see what he wants in the picture. And Winogrand can see what he wants in the picture. Right. right? And it all is fine. It yeah. doesn't, you know, we're presented with this photograph of something that's happening in life or happened in life, and yeah. and we can all put what we want into it, and that's fine, right? But I wasn't fine with it before, I, right? You know? So you're reminding me a little bit of a friend that I have in my beers and cameras group who said, she said, I just don't get street photography; it's just pictures of random stuff. And I said, well, and that's true in a lot of ways, it is, mm-hmm. um, but. You know, and I suggested some, I think I suggested some reading material for it. I don't remember. Um, but guys like Jeff Dyer, um, I mean, they'll give you a little bit of a window into what the community is thinking about Winogrand's work. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. that, and then you can you can decide for yourself if, oh, here, now, I, I still don't, you know, you might say, I still don't like street photography, but I understand it a little more. Right. So when right. I'm st- I'm stuck in some gallery somewhere where there's nothing but street photography, I go, oh, I see this and this, you know. Right, right. Uh, it's a, it, kind of a cold appreciation for it, but it's better than just not liking it, you know, especially if you're, you know, if you're trying to practice it or you like it. Um, I, yeah. I, I think books like this are good for that, I think. I, I'm just getting into this in a way, you know, I'm not, my last few photo books were more biographies and less of an interpretation of the work. Although there was some of that in there, like in that, what was the not Irving Penn? It was a Walker Evans book I was reading. That was a little bit of both, um, right. which was fine. It was nice. You know, I like mm-hmm. that, but this was, uh, this book was kind of the, I mean, I, I'm sure I've got a bunch of the books on my shelf that I haven't read yet that I just have collected and, and, and ha- are similar to this, but this was the first one I really got into. And I know we're not doing a deep dive into Gary Winogrand yet because I want to do that. That that's going to be a fun, fun thing to talk about. I, I want to talk about him a lot. But anyway, it, it makes me want to do a Bronx accent. I just like the way <laughs> the guy talked. I really like the way he talked. He, yeah, yeah. I I um I told you I, I and I sure I told everybody that there was a show at the Brooklyn Museum of yes. his color work, which was really. It was really wonderful, and especially because it was with my wife. She's from Brooklyn, and, mm. you know, he was shooting on Coney Island, you know, so there was a lot of stuff that like, I resonate with. And I'm actually, as I'm looking through this book, his stuff in New York, I was like, okay, I know where that is. That's 34th Street and Corvettes, the old uh, um, the old shopping uh, place was across the street. And I, so I know exactly where you're standing. It was, like, really fun to, like, mm-hmm. sort of walk um, 
you know, in my mind in the places that he does. But but anyway, uh, so <laughs> I'm I'm near the end of the book and the, the book is not linear in time uh, on his um, photo journey sort mm-hmm. of bounces back and forth between uh, New York and L.A. and Texas, you know, uh, London, actually. Oh, yeah. And some Texas. But there's, there was stuff in London. I didn't realize he spent time in London. Uh, we'll go into that at some point. But anyway, uh, there's one shot. Uh, that came across, and I'll just describe it. Uh, I don't think I can put it in the show notes. It's this picture. I don't think I have permission to do that. So if you yeah. want to Google it, you can find it, I'm sure. But it's kind of a cockeyed picture uh, of a street in Los Angeles, I believe, or someplace in California. Uh, it, there's a Denny's in the background. There's a Porsche 911 Carrera, I think. Uh, it's a 911 SC Targa. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Okay, I knew it was a 911. I love that car, actually. Yeah, they they still have that same design today. I've they noticed. have that same rough shape. It's Absolutely, like a classic design. But anyway, yeah. so it's this street. It's 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 a photograph of a uh, pointed towards the Denny's, and there's a street, and there's a woman lying in the gutter, uh, and she and you can't really see any details. So it's kind of a little far away, but you can see she's lying. You can't tell if she's hurt. If she's sleeping, but she's in the gutter, so literally she's in the street. She's not on the sidewalk. Yeah. And uh, it looks like Gary photographed it from a car passing by, right? And, uh, yeah, it's got that cockeyed angle that you were talking about before. Um, And I want to read – I guess I can read part of this because we are doing – I'm not reading the whole book, and we're doing a commentary on it, so I think I'm allowed to read some of this. But – and I'm probably going to screw this up because I don't read out loud well. <laughs> but I'm going to read the paragraphs that sort of got me thinking about something. So uh, this is um, Jeff Dyer's word So uh, about the picture. He's in a car uh, zooming past Denny's when suddenly with the reflex speed that has become second nature, he snaps a woman lying sprawled in the road. Drunk? A victim of an accident? Who knows? The important thing is that he saw her and got the picture before speeding on, alert for whatever might next snag his attention. That's one scenario. The other is that he was speeding along, snapping so obsessively, mechanically, quote, a creative impulse out of control, unquote, Sarkowski termed it, quote, on some days a habit without an impulse, unquote, that he didn't even see the woman who gave the shot a significance that tens of thousands of others from this phase of his life lacked. The camera saw her. He didn't. In parentheses, he hadn't Winogrand, but hadn't Winogrand lived for long enough within the process of photography as to have become his camera. Uh, in parentheses, things would have been recorded. Things could have been recorded without being seen. Period. Told you I screwed up a little bit, but that's yeah, fine. Got the gist of it, right? Yeah. So the part that that got to me, you know, I'm I'm picturing the picture and how it was taken. And imagining uh, what's going on, and, and I'm assuming that uh, Winogrand was in the passenger seat of a car because it's kind of on the right side. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he's being driven in a cab. Who knows? Uh, but he took this picture and then sped along. And the the phrase that got me was, the camera saw her, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, he said, uh, you know, uh, Winogrand lived long enough uh, within the process of photography as to have become his camera. But mainly the part was the camera saw her. And uh, that, I, I started thinking about that. The, um, what did, how did I phrase it to you? The, uh, what the camera sees, right? Yeah. And I, I was thinking about what does that mean? The, the, in this case with Gary Winogrand, did, was he picking up the camera? Not shooting randomly, but um, was like his camera, and, and I wanted to do by extension us, not right. not just focus on Winogrand, but like, is our camera seeing things that we're not seeing? And um, I wanted to sort of go over that with you. We're both of, you know, an age uh, where we've we've taken a lot of pictures, right? And we, we're kind of uh, aware of what we're doing. But I always think that sometimes I'm still getting surprised by things. So um, I wanted to just throw that out and see what what happens <laughs> right um just just to step back a bit um the the this picture has a, a kind of randomness and um emotional impact that's not the way you might expect even the way we're describing it 
um, the woman who's lying in the gutter is in a very small part of the frame, uh, almost in the very dead center of the frame. Uh-huh. And it's as if, as you're driving by, you would probably, if you hadn't looked over there, you would not have seen her. So there's this human drama going on in a very tiny part of the frame. And then you have the very unfortunate woman, and then you have this luxury sports car that's just driving by her. So there's this kind of tension, I uh-huh. suppose you could call it, that goes on between the two main subjects Oh, besides the newspaper vending machines and the Denny's in the background, uh-huh. um, that has this kind of disturbing vibe to it. And the more you look at it, uh, at least the, what I'm feeling is, the more disturbed I am by it. Right. Um, right. My gut tells me that it, that was intentional, that he saw, he saw, and he took the picture. Yeah, because what else would he have been looking <clears throat> at there? I mean, yeah. there's nothing, if you're driving by that scene, there's nothing... If, if if you take the woman out of the picture, yeah, there's there's nothing there. Yeah, and even in a Winogrand sense, I don't see anything happening at least from that point of view. Yeah. Right, right. Um, and but back to your question about um, you know, taking taking images or or shooting and seeing things that the camera sees things that you didn't necessarily notice. I think in a lot of ways that sort of happens in a small way all the time when we're shooting, you know, other than the vague hope that, Oh, I hope it turns out. And then Uh the details and the exposure and the focus that you hoped are there, are there. And you've got, you know, the, the main part of what you were worried about with an individual image is looked after. And then you're kind of subconsciously, you're looking for surprises in the image. I get Uh that. I mean, that's part of, you know, I got the main, you know, I got the main subject, but, are there details in here that are going to help enhance it or possibly detract from it? That's sort of more the way I think about it. I mean, the older I get, um, the less, um, how do I put it? I won't say competent cause I'm still pretty incompetent, <laughs> but the, the less sort of surprised by things I'm getting. Really? Um, really? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, if my heart's not in it and I'm shooting, Oh look, there's all these pictures of where I didn't really, Right. have my heart in it i wasn't yeah. i wasn't thinking critically enough you just you just mentioned uh the, the subconscious and i i don't know if i ever talked about this with you or on on the show but probably not in a while so i feel like i could probably talk about it again mm-hmm. I, I i've been talking about this in my street photography class and uh it came up as um shoot how did it come up one of my pictures, I show some of my pictures in my street photography class, and I always mm-hmm. say, I show these are my pictures, like I show everybody else's pictures, you know, I, I do the people who are influencing me, and uh, it's basically to get the students' eyes oriented to street photography, and I, and I said, these are people who I admire, mm-hmm. and I said, now here's my work so that you know I'm not a fraud. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and there was one picture that I showed, um, that I shot uh, on a local avenue that... Um, I can't remember who pointed it out to me, but uh, I, it was a, it's a shot of a like a near a bus stop, right? A bus shelter, right? And and what's going on in the shot? I, I have to remember it. I can't believe I can't remember my own shot. Escape, but our memories are shot tonight. Well, we can we yeah, can I know. <laughs> this is what's going to happen. This is this is going to happen to all you people who are under our age. Old guys photography one hundred and one. That's right. Us. Enjoy it though. It's a lot of fun. But anyway. Uh, I remember taking the picture, and I remember what caught my eye. And it was it was a summer day, and there was two people walking with umbrellas. Um, and believe they were either Pakistani or Bangladeshi. I just don't remember. But they were they were dressed in the sort of traditional um, clothing. South it was Asian, a man. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm? yeah, it was a man, and then a woman, and a, a woman and a, a child, and they were not related, and they were sort of walking the opposite direction. But there were these umbrellas, and I remember that's what caught my eye. Right, the mm-hmm. the umbrellas. And I took the shot, and then later on, I was showing it to somebody, and they said, uh, "Did you did you notice this about your picture?" I'm like, "What?" I'm like, "Well, there's this like there's all this pink in the picture. Like there was an umbrella that was pink. There was a sign that was pink. There were like these little spots of pink." I'm like, "Huh? I didn't like I'm noticing it now." Right. <laughs> and then someone said, "Did you notice there was a like a Verizon ad uh, on the bus thing?" And mm. it said, "You know, New York, we have you covered." 
And, you know, with these two people with umbrellas and the bus shelter was there and like it came together. I'm like, oh, I didn't notice that either. And I was like, I just sort of put that aside. And then yeah. at some point I watched this show and uh, people might have opinions about it. It was a show on um, a science channel with uh, Morgan Freeman called uh, Through the Wormhole. Okay. And it was a great show. And, you know, I guess some of the science is questionable. People have talked about it. But there was this one thing about... Uh, I'm going on this long story, but I have to get this out um, since you mentioned it. Uh, about um, do we have free will? And there was one segment about subconscious, and the uh, the gist of it was this guy was doing experiments to finding out that sort of the subconscious is working a few seconds up to actually up to seven seconds ahead of us in some way. And so this idea that I pick up this pen, you know, right now I pick it up, but you know, in some way um, that decision was already made for me by me. Right. Mm. on a subconscious level, a few seconds ahead of time. And it got me thinking about how to jive that in with photography. And then I started thinking about that picture that I took and whether or not that, like I saw umbrellas, but whether or not some part of me was seeing other parts of this thing that was going on and, and helped me to decide to take the picture. Now it's a bit of a stretch, I know. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I, I also sometimes can't put things up to coincidence. Right. And so, yeah, um, this is kind of a, how does it, this tie in with what the camera saw? But I mean, this is kind of more of what, what I saw uh, in a sense. But I, I began to wonder that, like, especially even looking at this picture of Winogrands or even any of the other pictures I've been seeing is that, you know, um, how can we discount this idea that, you know, parts of us are work, you know, part of us is working with us to to be creative and as a subconscious is maybe, you know, uh, in tune with something, you right. know, that we see. And, you know, so the reason I brought this up is because, you know, the, the camera caught all this stuff and like, you know, did, but did I, was I, you know, controlling the camera was control, con, you know, camera controlling me. Um, I'm not necessarily convinced that it's a subconscious thing, but I'm getting more convinced, you know, to. Yeah. I think, I think mostly in this, well, a couple of, advantages to th to crediting the subconscious is um, when you're shooting street especially things are moving so quickly um, you feel like you need and using the will you know using your own will I'll will a good street picture well mm -hmm. ask any street photographer there's no such thing so if you just trust your instincts maybe instinct is a better word um, uh, and then you point the camera, something tells you, I got to go around this corner and shoot this. You, you know, when you listen to somebody like Joel Meyerowitz talk about this almost metaphysical, uh, guru ish kind of language that he uses when he's walking in the street, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, he's sort of the most lyrical and romantic about shooting street. Um, and I certainly get that. And using instinct and intuition and all that when you're shooting street. But, uh, where I think the subconscious really comes into play, at least for me, is when I trip the shutter. Cause I don't know. Like I'm, I'm like, I think everything is, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm going through a very slow thought process of, uh -huh. I think I got everything in the frame I need to. And then, you know, my body decides, Oh no, you're hitting the shutter now. So you're good. And then when those happen in those situations, I'm, I'm usually happy with the pictures that I, at least I got my intention Mm -hmm. And sometimes you get, you know, a picture that's greater than the sum of the parts, like your pink, uh, all the pink in the Risenad and so on. Um, but, you know, you don't don't think you have to will yourself. I'll just leave that up to, you know, to a subconscious force or a um, an, an intuition that we that we don't necessarily fully understand. And I like that because I, I, I feel like. You're part of, uh, you're more part of the universe, if I could say something right. as, yeah. you know, yeah. no, hippie-ish like that. Um, and that you, you, the satisfaction of getting the image is sort of like you were, you were the witness for it, but you're also part of mm -hmm. this collision of people and vehicles and light that happened. It will not happen again, you know. To, to bring it back to the camera, I mean, not, I don't want to be, don't necessarily focus too much on the camera, but the, the camera is working at a different level than we are. You know, we don't see things at one twenty-fifth of a second or even one second. No. You know, we're seeing things in this sort of ongoing fluid motion, 
and the camera is um what's it doing i mean it's it, well it's uh, transcribing that yeah you know it's that taking slices th- of slices time slice time slice that's a thing isn't it yeah it's it's yeah it's a computer term that's just you know what can be what can be executed or an operation that can be done in right. within the computer over a finite period of time but we don't see that way that's not no. how we're experiencing the world right no. obviously so how do we how do we meld those two together how is it the camera you know God, I'm, you know, I'm sort of filtering. I'm trying to build this up into something because I know there's something there. Like where, so someone like Winogrand and other people, there's other photographers. I just, we just have to have Winogrand in front of us now. Yeah. Um, is he in tune with? I, mean, I think I don't want to make this a gear thing, but is he in tune with, um, his his camera? Is is he, or is that what we're doing, or is it the other way around? I'm. Uh, well, late I think night, late night thoughts in my brain here. But. Yeah. Well, for me, uh, you know, we're kind of getting into the more metaphysical aspects of how things go, uh-huh. you know, when we're creating an image. Um, I think as an art, if we think of ourselves as artists, take kind of take the context of street and everything else out of it. You learn how to use the equipment, you know, the gear, and the gear produces a certain result based on. Um, how you use it, you know, you take the picture, you go through, you look, oh, oh, these are the special properties of the camera. And so, okay, so I'm going to try and capitalize on these and those, these aspects and those aspects and so on. Uh-huh. Uh, and so that we can eventually get around to using the camera to our intention and the whole difference between the way the camera operates and the way our eyes and brain operate um, kind of meet during the experience of working together as opposed to trying to, you know, trying trying to figure out, like, how can I use this, you know, mm-hmm. in, in an abstract mm-hmm. way. Yeah. You know, well, we, we use cameras. We know if we're in this situation, this will happen, that situation, that will happen. Oh, that's all, you know, or you could be, this is a low... Um, you know, low percentage shot, you know, right, right, you're right, shooting from yeah. way past the three point line. You're like, okay, well, if you get it way to go, but you know, I'm not you know, yeah. expecting much. Um, so that's the, that's the way I would think about that particular point. Hmm. You, you did listen to, uh, uh, Barry and X's candid frame episode 500 with Joel Meyerowitz. Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. And a wonderful, and- relaxed, interesting conversation. Oh, great. I would actually recommend, I'll put a link in, in my notes to uh, Barry Annex's uh, episode, The Candid Frame. And also, if you're not, audience, if you're not subscribed to The Candid Frame, stop listening to this show now. Subscribe <laughs> to his show and then come back. Um, is, is is great. And uh, what I remember in that conversation with Meyer was saying that he sort of transitioned his, I mean, he was a street shooter and he ended up, didn't he end up transitioning to a larger format camera to do his um, street portraits? Yes. To an eight by ten camera. So going from something small and handheld to something not quite handheld. Yeah. Yeah. And that did the different experience of doing that. Yeah. Right, right. And you know, I'm thinking as I'm thinking about this, this the smaller camera portable my my x100t and and whatever you're carrying around it's it's like um it it sort of behaves quickly it acts quickly it slices of time it it, Mm -hmm. it reacts and you know i guess i'm maybe biased towards street photography but it could be anything documentary uh even landscape photography you know i think anything it's it's sort of built for speed you know right and uh, he, so Myrowitz is transitioning to this camera, which is the complete opposite. There is no speed involved in, in an eight by 10 camera at all. Um, have you ever used one of the large, you ever shot? No, with a large I have never have right? not a press camera. Nothing like that. No, no. I, I touched mean, I one ha- once. I have, I have <laughs> a four by five camera. Um, I never shot I'd eight l- by 10, which I would love. I think a four by five. I'd love, I'd love that experience. I'm sure. 
four by five is fun. It was a little frustrating because everything's upside down and backwards in the viewfinder, and you know you do you do fourteen different things before you even put the film slide, you know, yeah. in. And obviously, you slow down because there's just no way to do anything fast with with a camera like that. There's mm-hmm. um, uh, not with not with a field camera like that. Maybe with the sports with the kind that you're talking about, um, a press, press camera. camera. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's handheld. And that was yeah. actually one of my first cameras. My 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 dad gave me a Crown Graphic, um, which I still have. Uh, but uh, even with that camera, there's a little bit of you still have to slow down a little bit because the the movements on it are. Um, you know, unless you you know it really well, I mean, you can shoot fast motion with it. I think that's what I mean. It was intended for. It's a press camera, so yeah. it's intended to do something. But it's really that kind of, that's kind of a in between <laughs> the small cameras and something large. But Marowitz is moving to this giant camera, and when you shoot with a eight by ten or four by five, let's say an eight by ten camera, you know, you've got it. You have to set it on a tripod. You have a bellows. You have the the view screen on the back is showing everything upside down and backwards. So by nature, you have to move. Sp- very slowly because everything works in the opposite direction. You know, you swing the camera in one direction and it goes the other way in the viewfinder. Yeah. And you uh, you have to focus. And you have to focus, sure right. the subject the, doesn't move. Right. And usually you have to put a uh, covering over because otherwise, you know, like a like a blanket or a mm-hmm. dark tarp over your head so that you can see the viewfinder. So you're taking a lot of time. And I'm guessing with a camera like that, and I'm thinking about the you know, the literal phrase of what I started the show with is that, you know, you're going to see what the camera sees and what you're going to see are going to be the same just because of the amount of time you're taking to work with it. You know, there's going to be very little in, in the surprise department. Uh, yeah. In that thing. Just what's it, what is, what the frame is, but large format cameras have this exquisite ability to capture detail. Right. And and that shallow depth of field and you know it's just uh, the 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 quality is completely different than anything smaller. You but, get that. You, you mean that's what you pay for when you go to a large format camera, right? But and by its very nature, you it's almost like you have more. I don't know. I'm probably overgeneralizing, but I, I get the feeling that you've got more mastery over it. You know, like. It's working for you. <laughs> no, I see. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, like, um, gosh, when I go out in the street sometimes with my camera, and especially if I put on a wide lens, and I, I sometimes get the feeling that the camera is pulling me along, you know? Yeah. And then I'm, yes, I'm in control of it, obviously. But just the way it's designed and it's small, it's active, it stands in front of you in your hands. I mean, you got to have it in your hands. Uh, a large format camera you, you don't have in your hands. It's on a tripod. It's its own. It's like a separate entity yeah. on its own. And actually, another we could name drop another photographer. Uh, sure. Art photographer Ralph Gibson says, you know, the iPhone or the the smartphone, um, it, it was designed or has such a presence that it basically determines how pictures are taken. You don't. And it's kind of an interesting oh, way to wow. to think yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, I can, uh, uh, we'll, I'll put a comment or I'll put a note uh, and send it to you in the show notes about a talk that he did at a TED talk where he talks about that very thing about the difference between, first of all, film and digital and also uh-huh. uh, the effect of, uh, of the smartphone on, on the process of, of, of creating an image. That's, wow, that's interesting. I didn't even think about that. When I first got my, my first digital camera... Or even like maybe their first DSLR. It wasn't my first digital camera. I still had the sense that I had some control over it. That it wasn't, you know. I mean, I was it was new. Right? It was a new process to learn, and so we were sort of maybe we're both me and the camera, <laughs> mm-hmm. are sort of walking hand in hand trying to figure this thing out. And now, yes, you're right with the like the smartphone, uh, which I use a lot in my pictures. Um, yeah. So my, some I'm taking some really nice shots with it now, but I realize how much it is. Um, not controlling me is not the word, but it is determining uh, something about my photography, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the exact opposite with the with the, the. I mean, I wonder really if it is a larger, like as you physically get larger and you have to work with gear, um, or like we were talking about before, like people who make pictures. You were saying um, 
uh, categorizing photographers of those who build and those who find. Right. And yeah. um, well, if you're a studio guy, are you shooting still life or? You know, um, and I think you had mentioned in the notes, David LaChapelle. Um, right, right. You know, he creates a whole diorama, a whole very um, wild and intentional scenario that he captures um, for the for the for the camera. And everything in that frame is is um, put there on purpose. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least what I get the sense from the from from the pictures that I've seen. I mean, I, yeah. The, the idea that there's nothing total control. Um, but who's the photographer we were talking about once before the, and I keep forgetting his name He's from Brooklyn and he does these sort of cinematic photographs. Dave, Stephen, um, Stephen Shore. Swydeck, huh? Stephen Shore. No, Craig something or Greg something. Oh, um, um uh, Gregory Crudson. Crudson. Yeah. Who's, who's doing these incredible, um, cinematic almost i came here to describe them setups that include like entire towns right uh where everything it creates a is, city street inside a studio yeah yeah everything is coordinated and whatnot and that's uh you know if you wanted to put him in a category of those who build i would think that um it also creates a uh, work like crudson's that particular ilk especially um it's a lot of effort to create the image. It's also a lot of effort for the viewer to educate him or herself that as this scenario was created in a studio for to you know in service of creating this picture. Um, and it's not the real thing, although it's really convincing. So what do you think about that? You know, <laughs> <laughs> how do you? It's sort of like you have you have to think about you have to. You know, you, you, you read the little blurb that goes with the picture and you go, oh, my God, this is really convincing. You know, what am I, what am I, how do I feel about that for one thing? Like, that's a lot of effort to create something that just looks real. Why don't you just go shoot something that's real? Well, maybe, he, you know, he's the artist creator and it's satisfying for him to create this slice of reality just so he could expose. a. And I think he worked in large format or works in large format. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to create this scenario that's, you know, he's fooling the film, you know, <laughs> maybe that's what he's doing. But I mean, that these are the kinds of things you think about when you, you're considering artists like Crudson. It's a different, mm-hmm. and again, he's like, well, like Winogrand, I think he's a bit polarizing. It's you're kind of in or out on this guy. Like, well, those two guys are like on the opposite sides of the spectrum. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Both from, both from New York. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um but totally opposite i mean mm-hmm. uh if you, i don't know if there's any videos of, of crutzen working i mean there has to be something but i can imagine it's like this long drawn out process mm-hmm. and then you know winogrand is on the street you know twitching with this camera flipping up and down to his eye you know shooting yeah. however many thousands of pictures in a day um it, it really is the total opposite. Cruzen comes out with like two frames, maybe, you know? Yeah. Or something. And, and But very uh, intentional. And, and, you know, he's his hit rate is great because he's created this this thing, right? So Right. But no surprises in his in his work. Whereas, you know, uh, like um, a Winogrand or, uh, you know, any street shooter uh, may come up with a surprise, right? I mean, yeah. Um, just not sure. Well, I don't know. I don't know if how how well, different sure personalities. It's the, you know the range of human experience and creation. Like what, what do you want to do with your photography, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, anyway, yeah. I don't want to. I don't beat this subject to, to death, but uh, uh, it's it just it, it was a phrase that popped in my mind, and um, and especially now with the let's go into this this. Um, a uh, story about uh, Fuji, because I think th- there's something in that as well. With the um, what's his name? I'm now Tetsuo Suzuki. Right. So the basic story, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the new uh, Fuji um, X100V was just released in the past couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and a video with uh, this photographer. Um, 
Suzuki. Uh, he's, an ex, doing, he's an ex. He's uh, sh- an uh, ex. Ex photographer. So he, he's. A, I mean, he's an a Fuji ex. A Fuji, yeah, yeah like ex an ambassador. Yeah. Right, an ambassador, and it's a video of him using. I'm guessing this camera, amongst other cameras, walking around in the street, sort of sticking it into people's faces in Japan and Tokyo or uh, wherever uh, in mm-hmm. Japan, and and taking street shots and being very obnoxious about it. Um, and what looks like I want to say very random, but like you know, it really does look like in the video he's he's just walking and taking sticking yeah, the camera in people's faces. Definitely willful. Let's no right. doubt about it. And the 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 end of the story is what I just read was that he was released from Fuji. Uh, no longer he's now an ex ex photographer. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, the video was removed from, yep. but you can still find it. Somebody, somebody, um, and uh, I was looking at his pictures and uh, from at least the, the, in the video and didn't find myself too impressed. And it basically was like, you know, uh, he's, you know, letting the camera pull him around. He's being obnoxious. Um, at least, you know, I kind of agree with that, you know, having, the camera stuck in people's faces and take pictures and it wasn't very like it was a lot of work for a lot of not a lot of payoff right uh, or at least uh, work is not the right word a lot of um effort maybe effort negative negative vibes yeah uh you know for not a lot of payoff i mean there are photographers who create negative vibes but there could be a lot of payoff for that um i didn't see that in in this in this guy's work uh, no. At least from from that video. So um, I don't know. What what did you think about this? Because well, I'm torn sort of because I've been following him. I've been following him for years, and yeah. some of his earlier work is really, really very good. And he would take pictures on the subway and so on. They didn't strike me with the same kind of obnoxious and negative energy that I see in the later pictures, the ones that are in the X ads. Uh, the re- more recent ones. Uh, in that respect, I feel bad. Um, I don't know what Fuji was thinking by depicting him in that way. Like, yeah, maybe he he does that, but it was they had. I mean, maybe they didn't. They had to have known, especially in a that ho- a homogeneous culture like Japan, where I mean, it's if it's rude for Bruce Gilden to do it on the streets of New York City. It's got to be insane. People probably don't even know <laughs> right, what to right. think, and that's why they're they're why the folks are that he's he's approaching seemed so shocked and stunned, and they can't even well they know maybe to cover their face or to turn their head away, um, but it, it happens so really quick seemed sometimes. yeah it happens quickly. I mean that's how he I suppose he's sort of always worked, but um, I've. I mean, his his. I really appreciated his output uh, until now. I just I just feel bad about the whole thing, but um, maybe it is a wake up call to people who I think it introduced a lot of people to a kind of street photography, and I think they immediately didn't like it. I mean, you read some of the comments, even aside from the ones that are just anti street photography altogether, right? right. Um, that is sort of like, does this really happen? Like people, you know, and, and there's a, um, we've got a guy here in downtown Calgary who's, who's sort of of that ilk and he's very, very aggressive when he shoots. His work is very good, uh-huh. but there is a negative energy to of for some of his subjects, but he certainly captures something. Um, but I, you know, I could never work like that and I'd have a hard time uh, justifying uh, justifying that so um yeah i, I would too i yeah I mean, it's I not can't. the way i work i do work in the way that i don't let people know that i'm taking their pictures but um you know i and it was hard to tell in that video if he was just doing it for the video you know like walking around and like maybe that's why the pictures weren't so great right because and it, it, it also speaks like what i said before about fujifilm savvy about this like did they not think that there wouldn't be a backlash by depicting him that way, like holding the camera a yeah. foot away from somebody's face, like although it was just, you know, I mean, we're, we're full of companies who think one thing, and you know, like yeah. 
we think they're smarter than that. And, and you know what? No, not necessarily a bunch of dumb people, at least some not dumb. Excuse me. I don't mean that. But like can be blinded about this one thing, you know, yeah. and, and not be aware of it. But uh, um, I got the sense of like, you know, again, I was just finishing the the um, uh, Winogrand book when the story popped up and, and having seen Winogrand, you know, documentaries about how he shoots and. He's not so much of a like walk into the face of somebody more like standing around, you know, seeing something interesting and flipping his camera to his face and, and taking the shot. He does being, more like what you and I would do. Right. You're adjusting your your strap um, around yeah, your neck. And, yeah. Yeah. Being being more of the fly in the wall kind of thing. Maybe yeah. not him so much because he's sort of moving around a lot. But but I think in that direction, whereas, you know, this guy is 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 creating maybe the scenarios that he wants to record, you know, by sticking a camera in someone's face. And you said Gildan is sort of uh, in that same. Uh, but Gildan has, well, at least the pictures that I know him from, those portraits uh, where he's 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 very close with the Leica and he fires a flash and it's a certain kind of look, a certain kind of. You're talking about the, those it, faces, like the, the straight on portrait faces? Yeah. yeah, you know, um, there's a poignancy to his work, but also it's born out of the way he takes the pictures, which is, you know, you have to think on some level, it's not fair to the subject. Right. Um, I think I got caught by him once photographed by him. Did you? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm reasonably sure it was him on like West 36th street or 37th street. And I, someone walked, like I wasn't even paying attention because you know, when you walk the streets, you're just, you're not thinking of looking for a photographer, you know, which is probably why I get away with it. So many yeah. other street photographers you know, were taking pictures. People are not thinking that people are taking pictures of them. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I just had this flash in my face. And and then I, I before I could figure out what was going on, I turned around and someone was walking away with a camera and a flash. And it, you know, I don't know what he looks like from behind, but right. it had very much the um, hallmarks of, of a Gildan uh, scenario. So, uh, you know, and then in that case, I was wondering, geez, what does that picture look like, you know? <laughs> Mm-hmm. I was like, did it come out? Yeah. Uh, is it is it uh, you know tying back to the beginning? Did he see something in, in taking the picture, but the camera saw something else, and he said, "Well, scrap it," you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know the the times where we don't know what the what the camera's going to do, and and it surprises us. Oh shoot! Oh darn! Oh man! Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Not another cramp. Is I just it? got a cramp in my leg. Oh, this is happening live. Damn it! <laughs> oh, that hurts. <laughs> So forgetfulness, <laughs> yeah. leg cramps. I am not going to cut that out. <laughs> be part of it. <laughs> Sorry, it's making me laugh because it hurts so much. Oh, I don't know what I just did. That was that was insane. This happens when you get older, right? You get these. Yeah, I guess I I oh, changed my diet a little bit and I get fewer cramps than I used to. So that's yeah. Good. I I don't I haven't gotten a cramp like that in a while. I usually don't. I just, it's I all the sitting. The sitting is bad for you. Yeah. yeah, that wakes you up. Forget coffee, get a leg cramp. <laughs> Thank you, no. I'm good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, damn, we've talked for an hour. Well, we had a little, almost for an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what we're, what to summarize this with. I mean, I don't know, you, you might have, you're, you're coming from the outside of me a little bit, so maybe you have a word of wisdom uh, uh, about all that we talked this evening, let's see. Yeah. Well, you know, we started off with what I started off with that idea about what the camera sees, and we sort of, yeah, sort of swerved around a little bit. But if there's something we can come back to, to, to well, I mean, just to things, like, what do we just bring into the, uh, the, you know, apply it to the way we all shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, well, think about think about. Um, I mean, for me, what I'm thinking is what I brought up before, or and you brought up about Will, um, to just, um, you know, if we're shooting subjects like street and so on, uh, to kind of trust your instincts when you're shooting, um, whether or not uh, Winogrand's picture of the woman in the gutter is as intentional as Jeff Dyer thinks it might be, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, but it has a it has quite an effect on the viewer, and nonetheless, no matter how it was created, um, and I think that that's the that's the important statement about that picture. 
Um, so I guess it's not important to 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 know all behind it. Then. Not it's always, just, but it, and again, and then you flip the coin, and now if we're talking about Greg recruits and the marvel of this artificial reality he's created to be captured on a one piece of film mm. uh, is the opposite of that. And he creates this drama or, or whatever it is, this, you know. The it's interesting. In, in his case, it's almost like the camera and the photography is, um, I want to say secondary. It, it's, it, it's not as important. I mean, it's the method that uh, the, the situation is recorded on. Right. But that's it, right? I, yeah. it, and where I think is... With some other photography, it's the other way around. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, it does. But it, um, I mean, it depends on the subject matter. To with the, the you know, the, sure, it sure. has to be an interesting enough picture that we'll want to see it. Yeah, you know, it's not yeah. just that kind of random musings and shooting, um, you know, on the street. There has yeah, to there be some intention. Less random. Yeah, but I don't know if the street photography is so random. So I mean, I don't. I mean, it, well, I don't know how to go about that. It's probably a little. It too seems late to random, I think, to a lot of viewers. Um, I try to be less and less random. I can't. I, I'm. You know, we're older, you know, and time's getting shorter. Right. And so, I like to yeah. be able to create images that, if I'm going to shoot in the street, I want there to be enough intention that I was in the right place at the right time. Yeah, I understand what you're saying because I'm I'm realizing that too, and it comes from uh, I mean, part of it is like, well, you know, I photograph the same things over and over again, you know, and and uh, um, how a how can I do something different and 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 stay relevant to myself, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. so uh, being you know, I'm certainly myself now. I'm shooting a lot. Why don't I say I'm shooting a lot less? And this is after having um, got laid off my job in September and having a job like having a job where I was doing something. I found myself shooting more, but shooting a lot of the same, you know. Okay. And now that I'm not, I'm shooting. I'm, I'm certainly shooting less, but I'm shooting a lot more different and more deliberate. Uh, so I am I am spending a bit more energy on on what. I'm putting in the frame, you know. Uh, it's good. It's yeah. different. I mean, you, and and I think it's important to. Well, they always say, you know, you keep, you know, keep shooting. Have the camera with you all the time. You go out to run an errand. You have something um, that you can, um, you can do. I, you know, I also um, lost my job at the end of September, and hey, well. I haven't been out as much. But we did some travel. Um, uh, my wife and I took the mother-in-law down to Arizona for the winter, and uh, we came back through Vegas. And I did a little bit of street there. Just there was just a two or three hours of walking up and down the strip, mm-hmm. just because I'd never been there. I'd never been on the ground there. I've just been to the airport. So, um, and there was some reward in doing that, um, and some of the you know the amazing geologic features in Arizona, and it was fun and. Uh, you know, shooting different things, trying, you know, thinking of what I'm shooting as travel, which is right, right. not the way I usually operate. So it was fun to, fun to explore that. And where just were you in like Ar- his, where, where were you in Arizona? I went all the way down to Yuma. Yuma. So, oh, that's where the, wasn't that where the famous, like there was like a famous prison there in, um, in the Wild West times? Maybe. Are we talking about the 310 to Yuma? 310 to Yuma, right? Yeah. yeah. It's funny. There was a train connection actually there. There was a, <laughs> a big locomotive there that Union Pacific was touring around the Southwest, and uh-huh. I got to take some pictures of that. And it sort of, um, I got to pay for most of the gas money <laughs> through the sales of that of oh. some fine prints of that. So that was. Oh, I thought cool. I think I, you showed me those prints. Yeah, they're beautiful. They, were, they ended up being really beautiful. It was at dawn. Yeah. We were there at dawn, and it was. Uh, it was west light, so it was uh-huh. just open sky just after uh, just after dawn. Uh, lit all of the um, painted sheet metal, and of course the black painted, and then steam 
you know, metallic, wonderful, mm -hmm. greasy aspect of this giant train locomotive. So it was uh, it was a lot of fun to shoot, and I got to talk to some of the people operating the train, and I became a train freak sort of only briefly, just so that I know enough about that that particular locomotive. I don't know anything about any other locomotives, yeah. but I learned a lot. It was fun. I should, uh, I should hook you up with my friend Bart Bueschatz in uh, Ireland on his uh, his photography uh, podcast. I've been on a bunch of times. Uh, Let's talk photography. But he's a he's a train guy. And one of the things yeah. he photographs a lot of his trains. There. Yeah, I think one of the fine prints I sent was going to the UK. Oh, really? Um, yeah, wow. as a Christmas wow. gift. Yeah. Where can we see those? Um. We can, you have them uh, online somewhere. I was just yeah, I have them online. Them. I can, I can, I'll, I'll point you to the album. We can decide what to do with them. Maybe post one of them in the notes or whatever if you want okay. to do that. Yeah, I'd like to they see can that. Do that. Yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah, I think. God, I could, I could talk to you for more, more and more. So we'll just hold this off until next time. We'll figure. All right. Because I had a whole, we had a whole list of stuff, and I was like, I want to just talk to you about photography. I think we, we did that today. Cool. Yeah. Glad to do it. Uh, so tell people where they can find you. Um, where mo I put most of my work as uh, my kind of stream of consciousness Instagram account. It's uh, at Ward Rosin Fine Art. R, uh, sorry, W-A-R-D-R-O-S-I-N, Fine Art. Um, I have a website that's woefully out of date. It's Rosin, <laughs> R-O-S-I-N uh, dot C-A. And I'm on Facebook. I'm Ward.Rosin on Facebook. You can find me there. And um, uh, Or sorry, Ward Rosin Photography. That's where you can find me on Facebook. And I'm fairly active there as well. And I, I respond quickly to messages when I can. Great. And uh, yeah, so that's how you get a hold of me. Do you find that you get uh, people looking to uh, are interested in your photography via Facebook? Um, print, print sales come from Instagram exclusively. When Mark yeah. Ryerson and I were selling the book, uh, almost exclusively our pre-sales came from Facebook. Wow. Okay. So yeah. different, different demographics, different markets. It's, uh, it was interesting. It's a small sample, but it's interesting. It's uh, yeah. cool yeah. to know. All right. Yeah. Well, dude, thanks for, thanks for hanging out with me tonight. It's, no, uh, it's my pleasure. The highlight of my week, actually. No, good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll just say uh, good night to you. Good night. You know, I want to thank Ward again for joining me. Not quite a last-minute call, but uh, I'm so glad when he joins me on the show because uh, we I could talk to him for hours. I don't know if you want to listen to us talk for hours, or maybe you do. You know, chime in. Uh, but uh, I'm getting a lot of good feedback. Ward and I seem to have good chemistry talking photography, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Anyway, the uh, beginning quotes, if you haven't figured at least one of them out, the first one is from Dorothea Lang, and the uh, second one is Gary Winogrand. So uh, I thought they were kind of appropriate for the show. They're kind of, you know, we, we've kind of heard these quotes before, but I, I thought... Uh, I throw them in there. Anyway, you can find the uh, show notes for this show and past episodes at streetshots.photography. And if you're looking to find me someplace, I'm on Twitter and Instagram and Flickr as AM Rosario or at AM Rosario. Uh, also on Facebook uh, on uh, Rosario Photo. You can look for me there. And, you know, also you can um, seek me out and my fellow Brothers in Light, which Ward is one, uh, at the Unusual Collective. And you can go check out our site at unusualcollective.photography. And if you do like my show, uh, or if you don't like it, or you have something to say about it, go to iTunes and send me some exposure bucks by uh, giving me a, a rating and a review of the show. And you know what? Tell your friends about the show. Tweet, Facebook, Instagram, whatever you want to do. Uh, get the word out there if you like the way we're uh, the way I'm uh, bringing you photography stuff. Uh, also, I just put up a, a page at Patreon. I don't have any rewards yet, but if you'd like to become a patron of the show, that's one way to support what I'm doing. Uh, and uh, you can go to Patreon.com/streetshots and uh, become an honorary producer of the show. Uh, you know, at some point I'll have some. Uh, 
I'll have some uh, rewards and something like that. And, you know, I'm probably going to maybe at some point put up uh, some of my photography to uh, if you guys are interested in buying and help support the show and what I'm doing. And uh, if you like what we're again, if you like what I'm doing, drop a line on the website and, uh, you know, we can have a chat from there or on Twitter or Facebook or wherever. But if you have any suggestions for topics or photographers you want to hear about, just drop me a line there. And finally, the my Street Shots theme music is written and produced by the genius at Phyllis Audio. So you can find more out about the uh, creative guy behind Phyllis Audio at phyllisaudio.com. That's P-H-Y-L-L-I-S audio.com. And hey, you know what? Uh, have a good rest of the February, and I will see you in a couple of weeks. Ciao.